So, yeah, indeed, a good-looking host. Yes, if you do say so yourself. Welcome, all of you. I love this time of year. If you're watching online, welcome to you. In just a little while, we'll be in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, so please uh, join us there. And um, all of you, too, Luke chapter 4 in just a few moments. But I just want to say thank you for being here. Good to worship with you, and Merry Christmas to all of you. I can't believe it's right around the corner. Hopefully your shopping's done or close to it or... Actually, mine's not, so it'll happen eventually. We have, we're coming to, the, we're today, we're at the tail end of our Advent series called Unwrapping Christmas. And each weekend during the Advent season, we've been asking some questions to help us better understand Christmas. And uh, the questions we've asked so far are these, it'll be there in a second, why gifts, why family, and why singing? Now today... In this season of red Salvation Army kettles, in this season of benevolence, in this season of end of year giving, in this season when we are trying to find ways to do, uh, to give somebody a special gift or to do good for somebody, let let's ask this question: Why generosity? Why indeed generosity? Why benevolence? Why give to others? And uh, we're going to answer that question in just a little while, but I thought what we'd first do is look at the generosity of our God. And uh, I'm, we're not going to read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Rather, we're going to read the words of Jesus who quotes Isaiah, chapter 61. And we get from these words of Jesus an idea of just how generous our God is. All right? So these are the words of Jesus from Luke, chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. What Jesus says is essentially uh, the one Isaiah spoke about, the one who would be the hope of Israel, the hope of the world, I'm your guy. Now, before we go on to why generosity, let's just leave those words on the screen for a few moments and use those to help us understand the generosity of our God. Now, when you look at these words of Jesus, you can read them at, a, at two different levels, really. Um, the first one is more of a, a physical level. Uh, when you read through the, the, the Gospels of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can't help but come away with, oh my goodness, look at the miracles Jesus does. He heals, heals blindness. He heals the deaf. He heals the lame. He heals um, the lepers. He raises people from the dead. Now, that was Jesus when he walked this earth. But then Jesus left, but soon after he left, he sent the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church of which we are a part. For 2,000 years, the church has been in existence, spreading the kingdom of God throughout the world. And do you know, wherever the church has been, what you are going to find are things like this, schools, hospitals, orphanages, rescue missions, and on and on and on. 
Jesus himself is not here, but the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is here, working through the church, relieving people from oppression, giving sight to the blind, and so on and so on. But it gets better. Jesus says that one day he will return, and we read the end of Revelation. Jesus tells us that one day there will be no more darkness. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more tears. That's how good it's going to be. So, God is generous to us. But it it doesn't stop there. We can read these words at another level. Um, Just uh, the other day, I was getting ready for the Christmas Eve service, and I was curious. I was looking at some of the well-known Christmas carols, like O Come All Ye Faithful and Silent Night and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. What's your favorite? It could be, just like those, the theme of light shows up in some of the lyrics in the verses there. And that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to bring light into a spiritually dark world. Jesus has come to rescue us from spiritual lostness, from spiritual poverty, from spiritual blindness. In fact, we're told that we are spiritually dead. And that God, out of his sheer grace, gives us Jesus at Christmas time, who will one day go and die on a cross, taking your place and mine, taking our sin onto himself, so that the righteous would die for the unrighteous and we could be brought to God, brought into the family of God, brought close to God. Isaiah said it would happen. Jesus made it happen. Merry Christmas from your generous God. That's how good God is to us. Now we're answering the question, why generosity for us? But before I get there, I want to answer one more question just briefly, and it's this. Generous with what? Oftentimes, when we uh, think of generosity and giving, we think of money. And, and, and for good reasons, you know, Jesus talked more about money than he did anything else besides eternal life. Money is the chief competitor for our heart's affection, so no wonder Jesus, God in the flesh, talks so much about money. But we can also be generous And when I say generous, I mean there is a cost to us. We're helping somebody, and there is a cost to us. There is is time that we can give. Somebody needs time out of your busy schedule. What a valuable commodity today. It seems more valuable than ever before, even though we have all of these time-saving devices. Are you willing to give your time to somebody? Be generous with your time. There also is the issue of talents. We're all shaped so differently. The other day, we had some unnecessary work being done at our house, and this guy was doing some uh, wood-type work, and I, I said to him, I said, man, I wish I could do what you do, because I just have no skills that way. And he looked at me and said, I wish I could do what you do. Case in point, we're all shaped differently. We are gifted differently. We have different passions. We have different abilities and skills. We have different personalities. We have different experiences behind us. We have different educations. All of that wrapped together, gives us different talents that we can use to help somebody else be generous with our different talents. So this time, and of course, there's also the idea of treasure. That's that's our money, that's our stuff, the things we accumulate. 
where we can come alongside somebody and help them in a very, very practical way and encourage them. So we are generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Keep all three of those in mind as we try to answer the question, why generosity? Let me give you five reasons we should be generous, all right? The first one is simply this. Being generous brings me into alignment with God's character. Hmm. You know, if you do a scan of the Bible and look at the character of God, you will find one word, one verb that's connected with God more than any other. Do you know what it is? It's the word give. And so we can say this with great certainty that being uh, uh, that generosity is at the core of God's character. It is. It, you know what? It doesn't matter where you go in the world. It doesn't matter what religion you're talking about or, or the people you're talking with. It doesn't matter. Somewhere inside, there is a spirit of generosity. They understand the value of giving. You could talk to the most agnostic or atheistic person on the planet, and somewhere inside there is a desire to give and be generous. Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch who stole Christmas eventually tapped into their deeper need to be generous. <laughs> I know for me, it's interesting, you know, uh, they call it the, the, the ministry of interruption when I'm interrupted and I really don't have the time to give, but I decide, you know what? I need, I, need to, I need to give my time to this person. Or I need to share my talent, whatever that might be, with this person. I don't really want to, but I do it anyway. Maybe you've had this experience. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. I don't want to give up my time, and yet I do. And at the end of the day, I think to myself, that's probably the best thing I've done all day, or all week, or maybe all year, being generous. Where does that come from? That spirit of generosity. We are created in the image of God. We are hardwired to be generous just as our God is generous. When we are generous, we come into alignment with God's character. Every now and then I'll talk, sit down with somebody who wants to grow spiritually. They're, they're a Christian and they want to grow in their relationship with Christ. And we'll talk about the, the, the normal things that it takes to really grow spiritually. I mean, it's important to, to, to begin to read your Bible and study your Bible. It's important to be part of a church like you are here. It's important to be part of a small group. It's important to learn how to pray. But one thing you can't get away from is the importance of generosity. I want to share some words that these are really important words the Apostle Paul shared with the Corinthians in his second letter, and it goes like this. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, listen to this. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Giving. Whether it's your time, your talent, your treasure, giving brings you into alignment with the very character of God. And I would say this, if you feel like you're stagnant right now in your Christian life, you may be reading your Bible, you may be part of church, you may be part of a small group, or... but is it perhaps generosity with time, talent, treasure that will help you to excel in your Christian life? 
Let me go on to a second reason to be generous. And it's simply this. Being generous is a way to reflect what God has given me. Someone asked a farmer, if you had $200, would you give $100 to God? Sure. If you had two cows, would you give one cow to God? Absolutely. If you had two pigs, would you give one pig to God? And the farmer said, well, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. You know, giving, the idea of generosity, it's a very delicate issue. It's one that plays with our hearts, doesn't it? And we have to be very careful that we are giving, we're being generous for the right reasons. Maybe you know the term moralism. Do you know what moralism is? That's when I'm doing something just to do it, because I have to. I do this, I do that, because I have to. And there's no real heart in it. It's more of a ritualistic thing, more of a religious thing that I do. It's kind of like a robotic reflex. But there's no heart in it. A moralist will give because everybody else is giving. A moralist will give because I have to. A moralist will give because maybe they want to be noticed by others. Or a moralist may give because I want to gain brownie points with God as if that could even happen. But biblical giving, biblical generosity is far different than moralism. Generosity, from God's perspective, is the result of reflecting on what God has done, is doing, will do for us through Jesus Christ. It requires deeper thinking to become a grace-inspired, God-inspired, giver, generous person. Deeper thinking in the sense that we, we remember that everything I have, you know, Psalm 24, verse 1, maybe you know that psalm. It says, it says that everything on earth belongs to God. That includes my life, includes everything I have. I'm just simply a manager. It all belongs to God. Deeper thinking requires that we understand that. Deeper thinking we. What has God done for us? We just went through Luke chapter 4, parts of it, what Jesus said. What has God done for us? What is he doing? What will he do for us through Jesus Christ? And that kind of deeper thinking will help keep us away from moralism and move us toward a God-inspired kind of generosity, giving for the right reasons. Let me give you a third reason to be generous. Being generous is a primary way for me to worship. Some of you know uh, I grew up in Huron, uh, just down the road. And uh, I grew up going to a small church, uh, Christ Episcopal Church, down by Lakefront Park. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you went there. Maybe we were in the same Sunday school class. I was there every weekend almost. And, and I, I remember so well sitting on these hard pews at some point in the service, I remember exactly how it always went every weekend. The minister would say these words, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I forget what version this is from, but this is what he would say. Let your light so shine before men. And then right after that, do you know what would happen? They would pass the plate. Some of you were raised in a church where you passed the plate, the offering plate, and you would put your money in the plate, your envelope with the money in it, in the plate. And that was just, an, my, my dad would always give me, my mom or dad would give me a quarter to put in the plate so I could participate in this expression of generosity. 
And then after the plate went down the row and we were all done, we would stand up and we would always do the same thing. We would sing what's called the doxology. Some of you were raised in a church with the doxology, which goes like this. You can hum along if you want. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Do you know that? That's the doxology. Doxa. It's the, it comes from the Greek word doxa, which means glory, to give glory to God. Every weekend we did it. Same thing. Same thing. And I just thought it was a routine you go through. It was, it was a ritual. It was a religious thing we did. Not until years later did I understand this this was an integral part of the worship experience. You know, worship means ascribing worth to God, giving glory to God. This was an integral part of the worship experience. In fact, if you go back through the Old Testament, you'll find that when people came to the temple or came to the synagogue and brought their offering, their tithes and their offerings, it was an important part of the worship experience. Now, here at the chapel, we don't, pass, we don't pass the plate. We never have passed the plate. And for, for reasons we can talk about at a later time. Now we don't pass the plate also because of COVID. A lot of people give online. My wife and I do. Probably you do too. You, you give online in a regular way. It just automatically happens every month. Or perhaps you uh, put your offerings in the giving boxes as you walk out. And... and there is value in having a part of the service because it reminds us that being generous is an act of worship. So even though it's coming out of your bank account automatically, let's not let it be lost on us that it is a part of the worship experience. So, so when, you, when you give your treasure, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. You are letting your light shine. It is an act of worship. When you give your time to somebody, generous with your time, you're letting your light shine and you're worshiping God. When you give, share your talent with somebody, you're letting your light shine and is a form of worshiping God. Generosity is a way to express worship to God. And that's what we're called to do. That's our highest calling. Let me go on to another reason for generosity. Being generous is a strategic way for me to be happier deep down. Uh, hundreds of years ago, in the, in the Roman culture, they had a saying, and it went like this. Riches are like salt water. The more you drink, the more you thirst. You've probably seen the movies like Castaway and others. They're floating out in the middle of the ocean, thirsty as can be, surrounded by water, but they can't drink a drop because it's salt water. They'll get thirsty. There is the kind of thing that cannot quench thirst. And money is a dangerous thing. I, you know, it's, it's, I was with a friend of mine a number of years ago now. We were in the middle of India. And we were teaching a group of pastors in a classroom. And um, we, I remember we were teaching through Paul's letter to Timothy, his first letter to Timothy. And we came to chapter 6, which you may know is mostly about money. 
And we came to that one little phrase that, that, that Paul shares. He's, watch out for the love of money. Not money. Money's a good thing. Money's a helpful thing. Money's an important thing. But watch out for the love of money because all kinds of problems can come from loving money. Watch out. And then you get through the rest of the letter and you realize what Paul is saying. The only way, the only way really to defeat greed and, and its cousins of jealousy and envy and covet, the only way really, the only antidote in this age of vaccines and antidotes, the only way to defeat it is through generosity. And it doesn't have to be just money. It can be our time. It can be our talent. Because deep down we have a need that can't be met by more of just me serving me and me giving to me. That deep down thirst can be quenched through generosity. Jesus said it this way, you're far happier giving than getting. There's an author, a, a pastor, a, a, a writer, um, teacher that a number of us on staff really appreciate named Kerry Newhoff. And he, he wrote a book some years ago called Didn't See It Coming. And, and in, in this book, he has one chapter on emptiness. And it's interesting how he develops this thought. He talks about what can happen when you begin to get more and more in life. Your bank account begins to build and you get more stuff. You become more successful. And he talks about this progression we can enter into, which is called more, better, different. You begin to want more. And then you just want to begin, want better. And then eventually you want to be different than everybody else. Now he's sure to say, and it's important to say, that it's, there's nothing wrong with having more of something. There's nothing wrong with having something better. There's nothing wrong with having something different than somebody else, but his point is this, this, this progression, this, this continuum is dangerous because at the end of the day, it cannot do for you what generosity can. It cannot quench that thirst deep down inside. It can bring happiness for a while. It can bring you tingly feelings for a while, but eventually... It won't do what generosity does. And by the way, generosity doesn't do for us just good things here and now on this side of the grave. Scripture is really clear that when we, when we give our talents to others at a cost to ourselves, when we give our time to others at a cost to ourselves, when we give our money to others as a, at a cost to ourselves, we actually reap eternal rewards, and one day we will experience those in heaven as we are good stewards here and now. All right, we're almost done. Here's the fifth reason generosity is so important. We could probably go around the room and come up with more, but this is the fifth one. Being generous allows me to be part of something bigger than myself. Recently, I've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew, the first gospel in the New Testament, and I, I'm almost done, and I came to the end of 
chapter 25, and I thought, well, I need to share these words as a part of this message. This is what Jesus says. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Just this past week, two of our pastors traveled two, maybe three hours to a prison to visit somebody there. Was it that person they were visiting, or was it Jesus himself? That's what Jesus is saying. When you do that, you're doing it for me. A lot of you, the weekend before Thanksgiving, had a chance to participate in the churches left the building. I wish we had more. We have more pictures, but here's some of the people who gave their time that weekend. We didn't, we didn't meet in this room. We locked the doors. It was the church out there looking for something, some way to help people, bless people, honor people. Some people baked cookies. Some people wrote letters. Some people uh, did yard works. Uh, some people picked up trash. Some people just sat with others and listened to them and prayed with them. And on and on and on. I don't know what part you had that weekend, but I want to say thank you. You were, you were bigger than something than yourself because you did it for Jesus. That's what the church does. When you walk out into the lobby uh, on the, on the, on the uh, Welcome Center desk, you'll see this, this booklet that we handed out now, it seems like a couple months ago. But this is the Chapel Christmas gift catalog. And you can see on the front, it says, Let the little children come to me. It's all about blessing kids nearby, at the Nehemiah Center and other places, but also around the world in places like Burundi and, and places where the chapel is invested and connected. It's a beautiful book. If you haven't had a chance to look at this with your family or with your small group or with a friend, Take a look at it and be a part of blessing some kid around the world. Is it, is it these kids we're blessing or are we blessing Jesus himself? That's, that's being something bigger, being part of something bigger than ourselves. And Joe mentioned this earlier, and that's the annual report. That's also out on the Welcome Center desk. Pick it up, look at it. I just want to say, as a pastor here at the church, what we're saying to all the campuses today, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this church and expressing your hearts through generosity. Lives are changed as a result of what you do and how you give, how you express your generosity. All that you've given this past year has gone to bless people in ways that I, it's incalculable, but we try in our booklet. And whatever you do between now and the end of the year, we will faithfully use that to bless people in the best way we possibly can. Make sure you get one of those booklets out there if you don't already have one. It's remarkable what they've done to show us how your money is used and, and what has happened this past year in the church. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, I was thinking about the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Essentially, he says, you know, there, there are going to be things that you do 
ways that you help people, ways that you bless people that no one will ever see today. You're going you're gonna to be generous to somebody in a way that nobody will ever know. Maybe anonymously. Nobody will ever throw a parade for you or honor you or recognize you. But Jesus says this, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So thank you for your generosity. There's a seminary in in Texas by the name of Dallas Theological Seminary and a favorite professor of mine used to teach their name, Dr. Howard Hendricks, a favorite among pastors. He trained so many pastors over the years. And this one year, one of his former students came to Dr. Hendricks and said to Dr. Hendricks, Doctor, Professor, this past Sunday we had 1,500 in our church. And Professor Hendricks simply said, 1,500 what? (laughs) That's a great question. 1,500 what? How many are here at the chapel? Maybe 3,000? I don't know. But 3,000 what? How should we be characterized? What should we be known for? We could probably answer that question in a lot of ways, but today, can we just say generosity? Our God has been so generous to us. We simply want to reflect that to the people around us with our time and our talent and our treasures. There's a saying I came across some years ago that goes like this. There we go. It'll be there someday. I know it's there. There we go. Nope, that's not it. The local church is the paint that makes the invisible Christ visible to our community and world. There we go. Let's be the individuals and the church who are the paint that makes the invisible Christ visible to the world. We have a saying here at the chapel. It says, generosity changes everything. It changes the life of the one to whom we are generous, but it changes our souls. It quenches us where nothing else can. That's the kind of church we want to be. So as we go out, this Christmas season and beyond, who in my relational networks needs my time, my listening ear, my presence? I'm talking about your neighbors. I'm talking about your family members. I'm talking about your coworkers. Who in my relational networks needs my skills, my experience, my assistance? Who in my relational networks needs some financial help, some practical encouragement? We're all different. We're all in different settings. But as we leave here, we are the church scattered out there and throughout the community. Together, let's be generous because there are really good reasons. Let's pray together.